Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I felt like I was walking into just a heat dome. Say it's time air conditioning was mandatory. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news and details of a dramatic rescue in North Vancouver this afternoon. A man in his late 20s found himself stuck in the middle of the fast moving waters of Lynn Canyon. The 27-year-old in this video from the suspension bridge is seen balancing with his arms out, just one unsteady move away from being dragged under. Rescue crews made their way up to the right and used a long pole and cinch device to bring him out to the river's edge safely. Crews are once again reminding people to be careful around bodies of water this time of year. Water is extremely powerful. We train for it constantly, and we have our personnel wearing uh, the best uh, uh, safety equipment that's out there because we know how dangerous it is and we, we plan for it. So the public comes in here, they don't plan for it usually. And they might not know what they're getting themselves into. So uh, just make sure that you, you know what you're getting yourself into beforehand. The man who was hypothermic was treated by paramedics and is lucky to be alive. Today's rescue is the fifth on the North Shore over this holiday weekend. The warm weather prompting more people to head out on hikes. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, the weather conditions you see in the city may not be the same as the ones you encounter on the trails. Every day, thousands of walk by the signs. How many, though, stop to read? A hike, no matter how short or well-worn the path, can lead to trouble, especially if hikers are ill-prepared. Over the weekend, North Shore rescue volunteers were called out four times. A fatality Friday night was followed up by a Saturday full of unnecessary calls from people not completely ready for the conditions. In every case, there was some injuries involved. A hiker on the House Sound Crest Trail was knocked over by a small avalanche. Another hiker suffered a serious shoulder injury after she slipped on a snow-covered trail. And near St. Mark's Summit, a group wearing nothing more than shorts and t-shirts was pulled off the mountain nearly hypothermic after one was injured. I still can get quite cold. Uh, slips uh, have been a big one. There's still lots of snow up high. According to Adventure Smart and the BC Search and Rescue Association, 504 hikers were rescued in BC last year. A quarter on just 10 trails, some in Metro Vancouver, often crowded with other users. This is not representative of what's ahead. 271 of those calls were considered preventable. The messaging remains simple, be prepared, even for what seems like a routine day away. Plan for those what-ifs. Plan you might get um, injured. Plan you might get lost plan that you might exceed your abilities. Conditions in the Alpine may continue to be marginal well into June. Snow can linger on shaded trails. And the spring runoff will keep streams full and fast. 
Outdoor enthusiasts should be prepared for emergencies and know what they may be in for. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. We are learning more about the man who tragically drowned in West Vancouver Friday night while trying to save his neighbor's dog from the fast-moving waters of Cypress Creek. Keen Lau was well-known in the community and is being remembered as someone who was kind and loved by everyone. Safia Priani reports. Tragedy over the weekend that's left the community of West Vancouver reeling. He was an extraordinary, extraordinary fellow. Keen Lau was passionate about many things. He was actively involved in the community and volunteered with several organizations. An avid athlete for years, he loved the outdoors, giving his time on the BC Mountain Foundation board as well. The common proverb, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. In a heartfelt tribute, the mayor of West Vancouver, Mark Sager, said Keen was a dear friend who wanted to take his community involvement a step further and ran for council in the last municipal election. I mean, truly a selfless person and a huge loss for our community. Uh, you know, certainly I was encouraging him to keep his interests in, in serving the public and, um, and, and making another run in the future, but he just had an enormous amount to give. Friday night, Keen and his wife, Lisa, were walking their neighbor's dog at Cypress Creek, a Labrador who was part of their family too, not far from their home. The dog went into the water. Keen jumped in to save the dog, yelling to his wife to call 911. But that call was too late. The dog and Keen were both swept away, and the search ending in tragedy. Their bodies recovered Saturday morning. Rescue crews are warning with higher temperatures, rivers and creeks can be deadly and are urging people to use extra caution. Uh, we're getting a lot of runoff from the uh, melting snow. Um, so the creeks and rivers are high and very turbulent. A tragic reminder after a husband and friend gone too soon. Safiya Parani, Global News. This isn't the first time the fast-moving currents in West Vancouver have been linked to tragedy. The last couple of days have been bringing up a lot of those emotions and also a lot of anger because I feel like this was very preventable. In 2021, Sky Barbic's family lost their dog Raven in the Cypress Falls Park when she fell into the water and was swept away by the river. Since then, Barbic has been calling on the municipality to make the area safer by doing things like installing high fencing, putting in clear signage for dog leashes, and signs warning that people have died in the area. But years later, nothing has changed. It just makes her loss feel pointless and like that. And we're sad for Mr. Lau. Yeah, and we're really sad for Mr. Lau. Like, I wouldn't imagine what it would be like if my dad went over, which would be really sad. We need to do it right away. This is not something that can be in a committee. This has to happen now. Um, it's just incredibly frustrating how long some things take to get through political red tape um, when people's lives are at risk. And this won't be <coughs> the last life. This will, there will be several others um, that will be taken if we don't do something now. Barbig hopes the current mayor and council will make changes to prevent more lives from being lost. Another long weekend, another host of problems for BC ferries. Thousands of passengers were unable to check their sailing details after the website crashed for hours today. But that was just one problem as sudden cancellations left other passengers stranded. And as Kamal Karamali reports, with a new boss at the helm, there are calls for more accountability. 
one of the busiest weekends of the year for ferry traffic. It's still uh, a little crazy. <laughs> Not the ideal time for the BC Ferries website to go under. And I tried to look to make sure the ferry was on time before we left home and it was I got nothing. Close to 100 extra sailings added over the long weekend to accommodate the anticipated close to half a million passengers. This morning, trying to access my uh, my check-in details to get on the ferry, I uh, wasn't able to access it. Except they weren't able to check schedules, routes, or sailing conditions. The website back up late afternoon, nine hours after going down. I mean, I didn't expect it. It is very poor timing. BC Ferries didn't seem to have an answer on why it was caught unprepared. Why wasn't there a mitigation plan for something like this? Unfortunately, this issue did crop up. We weren't expecting it. Are you able to get any more specific, Deb, in terms of what's causing it? I personally don't have the specifics, but I can tell you that our IT team is working very hard to fix it. Those on Bowen Island were also caught off guard when the Saturday afternoon sailings were suddenly cancelled, leaving many stranded with no information. People were very confused. The sheer number of people who were desperately trying to get off the island, as well as the sheer number of people who were trying to get home, was was quite, quite chaotic. We're coming up here. Last week, Global News sat down with BC Ferries' new boss, who said they're aware of their reputation when it comes to service disruptions. We're trying to set ourselves up to have a much more successful summer than we did last year. But no one from the executive team in sight this long weekend, while many on-the-ground staff took the brunt of the customers' outrage. We would like to see management as, as available as our members are on a long weekend, and uh, I expect in the future they will be. Kamil Karamali, Global News. Temperatures may have cooled down a bit for now, but our latest wave of record-breaking weather has reheated the debate over conditions in B.C. schools. Krista Dow talked to parents of a relatively new Vancouver school who say it was so hot, children became ill and had to go home. Monday's temperatures, a stark contrast to last week's record-breaking heat wave for friends Sophia and Aria. It's just really hot and sometimes it makes us tired. Temperatures inside classrooms at Crosstown Elementary School were stifling, averaging 29 degrees and at its peak 33 degrees, according to Veronica Collins. The Vancouver school not even six years old. And those are empty classrooms with windows open. These are unsafe working conditions for the staff. It's unsafe for the kids. Collins says her son experienced headaches while Shafina Jamal says her other daughter fell ill. She was just really lethargic um, and just she just felt nauseous. My five-year-old refused to even come with me into the school to drop off her sisters because it was too hot inside. They say some teachers resorted to cooling kids off with the garden hose, while others went on field trips to Costco to beat the heat. We need a long-term solution. We can't keep just pretending that temperatures aren't rising. This is not just a heat wave issue. They're calling for mandatory AC in all new Vancouver schools and older ones to be retrofitted. From the provincial side, we've made significant investments supporting school boards in upgrading HVAC systems uh, and air conditioning systems across the province. But the education ministry says school districts are the owners and operators of their facilities and... For existing schools, school districts can request funding through the ministry's school enhancement program and the carbon neutral capital program. The Vancouver School Board didn't answer our questions about AC in schools, saying only that staff are trying to improve air circulation, 
by opening windows and doors. If we don't advocate for our kids, no one else is going to. So as mothers, that's what we're determined to do. An urgent call for solutions as B.C. is expected to experience more extreme temperatures. Krista Dow, Global News. No, and in sight of the flood risk in parts of the B.C. interior, the River Forecast Centre has issued a flood watch for the Okanagan, Shushwap and Boundary regions. In the town of Enderby, some residents are preparing to leave at a moment's notice. They're watching the Shushwap River rise and preparing for the potential of up to 50 more millimetres of rain. A local park has been closed due to flooding and a temporary berm has been set up to stop water from seeping into nearby properties. We've moved everything up to higher ground. Uh, right now, I'm um, kind of cleaning out my crawl space just in case. I mean, we don't usually have a problem there, but we don't know from year to year how, how this is going to turn out. We know that the pattern is there. You know, our models might show it in one place and, and not the other, but we're aware that that risk is pretty broad-based. So, you know, if you're living on Mission Creek and the Okanagan, for example, now is probably a good time to be prepared. Long-time residents say flooding and high-water situations are becoming more common. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with more on the flood fears and the impact the forecast could have, Yvonne. Yeah, we're tracking rain, additional amounts and heavy at times, especially for the northeastern corners of the province and extending in towards the interior. Uh, the flood watch also includes the Columbia, Boundary, Thompson, Upper and Middle Fraser and the northeastern corners, all areas across the piece. Now, the areas in the piece will continue to track that rainfall, heavy at times through tomorrow. 15 up to 75 millimetres is the range, but areas near Tumble Ridge could see closer to 100 millimetres and a special weather statement continues and this is for the central interior extending in towards the Colombian Kootenai as well with 30 and up to 50 millimeters so the heaviest rain for those regions will be leading in towards our Tuesday. Now we've got a blip in the forecast along the south coast a touch cooler even the chance for some showers more coming up very shortly. Colleen. All right thanks Yvonne. It was a little damp at times, but thousands of people jammed the streets of the capital today for the 123rd annual Victoria Day Parade. A whole bunch of marching bands got the crowd going down Douglas Street in the heart of the city. This is Victoria's largest parade of the year. And there were the usual clowns on mopeds, floats of all shapes and sizes, displays of motorcycling skills, and returning this year for the first time since the pandemic, U.S. marching bands wowing the crowds with their musical skills and pageantry. Well, it's great to have them back. Yeah, no, I've, I've enjoyed the parade since I was a kid, and it's always been a highlight for me. I love them. I really enjoy it because they are big, and they perform well, very, very entertaining, and I really enjoy them. We're just happy that the, we're back to normal now, whatever the normal is. Oh, I think it's awesome to have them come out again. What do you think? Do you like seeing the band? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This year's theme was that 70s parade with everyone encouraged to dress up in their favorite disco outfits. Well, some good news in Alberta tonight where there's been a change in the weather. Rain is bringing a much needed reprieve in the wildfire fight. But authorities are reminding people not to make matters worse for themselves or for those tasked with keeping them safe. How one man eluding a checkpoint could have claimed more than just his own life in just over a minute. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Houston and SpaceX. Dragon Hatch is open. Another group of paying customers aboard the International Space Station from a SpaceX flight. And the new study that's prompted calls for federal regulations to curb teenage vaping in this country. Those stories coming up on the news hour. Some good news for residents in and around Fort St. John. Two major fires that have prompted widespread evacuation orders and alerts are now considered being held. Some of the benefits of fighting fire at night, it really cools off and the humidity goes up a little higher. Crews have worked around the clock to contain the Stoddard Creek and Red Creek fires. The fires were driven by winds and have burned more than 32,000 hectares. But cooler temperatures are helping the fight. Rain is decreasing fire activity considerably, and the B.C. Wildfire Service does not expect either fire to grow beyond their current boundaries. Despite the change, evacuation orders and alerts remain in effect. Rain is now helping fight the wildfires in Alberta, but the smoke has triggered a special air quality statement for many areas across the province. And while the threat for many has decreased, as Nitu Garcha reports, authorities are reminding us why disobeying orders and advisories can put lives at risk. It's the rainfall residents have been hoping for. But Mother Nature's help with the firefight comes as police are seeking charges against someone they say hindered the effort to protect people and properties. We'll go Highway 16. While on an RCMP ride along through parts of Yellowhead County. You jump in there, I'll jump in here. Constable Patrick Lambert is renewing warnings to all drivers near active wildfires. As we continue down down this path of uh, you know road closures and changes to the landscape. In many cases, what we want to ensure is when advisories, alerts or orders are given, people follow those. He says over the long weekend, a man allegedly eluded a checkpoint, got stuck in mud and soon after was surrounded by wildfire, requiring rescue by a forestry helicopter. If roads are blocked and there's no designated detour, just wait patiently. The incident happened near Fox Creek, where this section of Highway 43 has now reopened. With power lines still smoldering, crews are working to repair the damage. Visibility here is limited, with thick smoke blanketing the area. It's been tough. It's hard on the lungs for sure. Alberta wildfire says widespread rain in the west central parts of the province has helped in the fight to contain several priority wildfires in the region. Fox Creek, though, received less precipitation. Residents like Linda and Stephen, who were forced to flee, are hopeful. Oh, I hope she pours and pours and pours. <laughs> I hope pours, because if it pours, we can go back home. We've had bad news solid for so long. Let's hope this is good news for, for once. I'm pretty excited. And while Albertans are being told to stay indoors because of the low air quality, fire officials say the cooling effect from the smoke has also helped lessen fire activity by creating a cover from the sun. 
Provincial officials say some air operations have been grounded because of the thick smoke and limited visibility and that they will be monitoring for potential lightning caused fires. But in all, they say this system of rain has brought down the fire behavior and thus brought with it some much needed relief. Neetu Garsha, Global News, Fox Creek, Alberta. And the weather here in B.C. is causing problems for farmers. It was probably the worst hailstorm we've experienced. But how farmers in the North Okanagan are coming together to support each other. And what's at stake for Canadians if the U.S. defaults on trillions of dollars in debt? Stay with us. A number of local farmers are dealing with some serious damage after several storms passed through the North Okanagan in recent days. But as Megan Turcato reports, there have also been a wave of community support. At Silver Star Veggies in Vernon, they expected to be planting in this greenhouse today. Instead, they're dismantling the wreckage after a weekend storm. There was a large thunderstorm that was just east of us. It sent some pretty strong winds this direction. We don't normally get wind from the east here, so it's kind of unusual, especially at that kind of force. So it hit our house side on and basically just rolled it off the side of the, of the hill there. Having to rebuild the greenhouse is a major inconvenience for the farm. We're going to have to put all these plants into larger pots to buy us more time. So we're actually losing a lot of labour hours and expense doing that. And it's also going to push our crops back. They're going to be later being ready for our customers as well. Silver Star Veggies is not alone. Zelaney Farms in Coldstream was heavily impacted by hail early Thursday evening. It was probably the worst hailstorm we've experienced. Uh, our farm's been running for 35 years. The hail shredded some of their produce. It's thousands of dollars lost in crop damage. Um, it also means that, you know, we have staff that are expecting to work and now we don't have harvest um, or to prepare for market and so we're having to give some ta staff some time off as well which is unfortunate because they rely on the hours in the in our seasonal job as well. But after the farm shared the impacts of the storm online it was met with a major wave of support. You know there was lots of offers to come out and help and help to replant and you know right now we just have to wait and see if if any of the plants can recover. Because of that Zelaney Farms didn't take anyone up on the replanting help. Back at Silver Star Veggies, they did turn to the public for assistance, starting an online fundraiser that raised over $3,000 for greenhouse repairs in less than 24 hours. It's really humbling. It actually, like, I, it makes me almost, like, just a little up, upset in the best possible way. People here are so caring towards us. Lots of community support as the farms work through the storm damage. Megan Turcato, Global News, Vernon. BC cattle ranchers are waving a red flag, worried too many people are opting out of life on the range. The Schweb family has been ranching for four generations, and they say they don't plan to slow down anytime soon. But they're seeing more people deciding to get out of the industry. They say rising costs and current high prices for cattle are prompting many people to decide now's the time to sell or downsize, and that it's difficult for anyone new to get into the business. There's a lot of people getting out of it right now because the prices are good on the mama cows and uh, they're finding 
they're finding that it, now's the time if they're going to downsize, now's when they're going to do it. We're going to have a lack of numbers, you know, there's not going to be the cows, especially in our province. Just like anything, with whether it's buying a house or starting a ranch or anything, it's kind of your you're blessed if you have generations that kind of pass things down. I think it's definitely harder for anybody to get into this business, especially owning land, place to put them. And the family is hoping to inspire others to take an interest in ranching at this year's Cattlemen's Association convention that starts later this week. For the first time in history, it could happen. Why Canadians should be concerned if the U.S. doesn't raise its debt ceiling. Plus, it can also have an impact on emotional regulation. Just one reason why experts are calling on the federal government to address teen vaping in this country. And to your health, will the new law in Ireland help curb alcohol consumption? In Washington, talks continue between Republicans and U.S. President Joe Biden in the ongoing standoff over raising the country's debt ceiling. The critical deadline to reach an agreement is next week. Now, if they don't reach an agreement, America def could default on trillions of dollars in debt, potentially triggering a global financial crisis. Jackson Prosco reports. We're optimistic we may be able to make some progress. Down to the wire, negotiators met again to try and avert an economic catastrophe. The consequence of failing to pay our bills would be that American people would have a real kick in their economic well-being. As a matter of fact, the rest of the world would too. The toughest issue remains spending, which Republicans want cut, or else they'll refuse to lift the cap on U.S. borrowing forcing an unprecedented default on American debt. I think we both agree that we need to change the trajectory, uh, that our debt is too large. With little more than a week left to reach a deal, President Joe Biden cut short an overseas trip to return to Washington. He's increasingly open to some kind of compromise, proposing $1 trillion in spending cuts. Without an agreement, the Treasury Secretary warns the government will run out of money by June 1st. I certainly haven't changed my assessment, so I think that that's a, a, a hard right. deadline. Should the U.S. default, it would be unable to pay for social programs, make payments to government workers, or service trillions of dollars in foreign-held debt. The results of this would be catastrophic uh, economically. You'd, you'd immediately, the estimates have been that the gross national product might contract over the following 12 months as much as 6 or 7 percent. We need to cut spending. But the longer it takes to reach an agreement, the bigger the risks. Markets are increasingly worried about the what-ifs. The U.S. could see its credit rating downgraded the longer the stalemate lasts. You know, in my eyes, we're playing Russian roulette with the United States credit. And it shouldn't even be an option. For all the talk of a June 1st deadline, the reality is much more grim. Even if a deal is reached, it still needs to be passed by Congress. That's a process that could take several days. The longer it all takes to come together, the closer the U.S. will come to plunging off of that fiscal cliff. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington. Well, there's been a slight decrease in youth vaping rates. New data reveals Canadian teenagers still have some of the highest rates of e-cigarette use in the world. Experts are now calling for swift action from the federal government to address the growing crisis. Global's Vanessa Wright reports. 
A recent Canadian student tobacco, alcohol and drug survey shows a decline in vaping rates among young Canadians. The data indicates that 29% of students used e-cigarettes between 2021 and 2022, a dip compared to 34% in 2018 and 2019. While these numbers look positive, experts aren't convinced. It is very concerning in part because Canada has among the highest uh, rates of youth vaping in the world, including daily youth vaping. While the accessibility and variety of flavors can make it more attractive to youth, there is limited research that can provide the full scope of the harms of vaping. But experts say there is good reason to believe that it poses serious and far-reaching risks. As the effect of nicotine can rapidly lead uh, to a pattern of addiction, which uh, can have sort of impacts on sleep and overall well-being and, and motivation to do different activities. It can also have an impact on emotional regulation. But these are not safe products, right? This argument that they're comparing them, that they're safer than tobacco, um, anything is. Right? I think we're talking about a, a, a product that kills 6 million people a year, right? So if we're comparing to that, if that's our benchmark, we're, we're missing the mark. Experts believe the pandemic may have impacted those numbers and that data from the survey indicates it's only a matter of time before those rates climb to new heights. We urge the federal government immediately uh, to adopt a regulation, a final regulation to ban flavors in e-cigarettes other than tobacco flavor. There are six provinces and territories that have done this. If they can do it, so can the federal government. Healthcare professionals are also calling on schools to help educate younger people about the dangers of vaping. They say that new data from future surveys is going to be more indicative of a growing crisis. Vanessa Wright, Global News, Halifax. The latest research says even a small amount is considered too much of a good thing. Alcohol consumption carries with it increased health risks, including cancer. So in Ireland today, the government enacted a new law warning labels on bottles. Reggie Cicchini explains. That after-work relief or weekend indulgence has often led public health and medical officials to sound alarm bells. <laughs> that too much alcohol can have a detrimental impact on a person's well-being. On Monday, Ireland stepped in front of the curve with its health minister signing into law a mandate for warning labels on liquor to include not just calorie counts, but cancer warnings. We've been lobbying for this change um, for probably about 10 years. While the law puts booze in line with other food and drink warnings, it faced pushback from within the alcohol industry, some arguing that the science wasn't solid. But the Irish Cancer Society hit back, saying alcohol is linked to at least seven types of cancer, including breast and bowel. Ireland actually has the highest incidence of cancer in Europe. We hope that larger countries like Canada um, will look across um, the pond at, at Ireland and say, you know, that's something that we can do too. Earlier this year, a Canadian study cited the harms of drinking even in small amounts, updating intake guidelines and calling for new labelling. But not everyone is on board. Information is important, but... The other side of the sort of general public health protocols is accurate and balanced information. And I don't think that's what we're getting here. In the U.S., a 2022 study showed less than 20 percent of adults knew of links between liquor and cancer. Public health experts say it's partly due to the alcohol industry's pinkwashing. They'll put a pink ribbon on their bottles. They'll say they're contributing small amounts to cancer research completely denying the fact that their product itself 
causes cancer. Irish officials say this new law will be more explicit than existing warnings, with proponents saying it respects the consumer's right to know. Reggie Chikini, Global News. Still to come, when our hot weather is expected to return. Plus, in Houston and SpaceX, Dragon Hatch is open. What one of these astronauts paid for his chance to visit the ISS. And we meet a man who's beaten the odds over and over and over again. His incredible and inspiring story. Warning to smokers from a Vancouver Island Fire Department. Langford Fire Rescue tweeted it was called out to seven preventable fires in seven days, all of them caused by discarded cigarette butts and other smoking materials. It says one fire was on a balcony that could have resulted in the loss of several townhomes. It's reminding smokers that gardens, planters and flower pots are for plants, trees and flowers, not cigarette butts. Good advice, Yvonne, especially when it's dry out there, which it's kind of iffy right now, right? Yeah, and depending on where you are, we had a bit more cloud cover today. We're actually going to see the chance for some showers for back to work and school tomorrow, and I'll have that in just a moment. A quick glance outside right now, dry conditions if you're out and about. We're currently sitting at 16 degrees, and it'll also be cooler as we get in towards our Tuesday. Temperature trend, just wanted to show you this. So tomorrow, we're into the teens, but it is going to rebound, and likely later on in the week, approaching the weekend is when we'll see those temperatures back into the low 20s. Flood watch for the peace uh, continues for the Okanagan, Columbia, Boundary, Kootenai, Upper and Middle Fraser and these areas that are underneath the flood watch may exceed Bankful and we'll be watching them very closely with those additional rainfall amounts once again for the peace. 15 up to 75 millimeters higher amounts near Tumble Ridge up to 100 millimeters and these areas of concern with the heavy rain moving in for the central interior Columbia and Kootenai with 30 and up to 50 millimeters. There's that wave of moisture is actually coming in from Alberta. That's where it's going to pack a punch on Tuesday for us across the central interior and a few spots in towards the southern half. Most areas along the coast, it'll be a chance for some showers and then easing off. It dries out for Wednesday and leading in towards our Thursday. Now, coastal areas along the northern half of the province dry inland, still in getting temperatures into the 20s. The heaviest rainfall with windy conditions for the peace extending in towards the central and southern half of the province. We are going to track a bit of instability still through the day. Dry out though for the southeastern corners of the province by the afternoon and evening and we've got that blip in the forecast all areas along the south coast will see a mainly cloudy sky chance for some showers Italy is off we'll be back into some sunshine for Wednesday and pleasant Thursday Friday back up to 22 all right Colleen a fantastic shot this one from Davis Bay captured by Doug and tonight's weather window back to you wow that is absolutely spectacular thanks Yvonne the International Space Station welcomed a legendary astronaut and three paying customers today from a private flight aboard a SpaceX capsule. It's the second such mission aimed at opening the high frontier to commercial development. In Houston and SpaceX, Dragon Hatch is open. And with that, four astronauts floated aboard the International Space Station, welcomed by seven astronauts and cosmonauts already there. And so on behalf of Expedition 69, uh, it's an honor to welcome our new crewmates. Among the newbies, retired NASA astronaut Peggy Whitson, who's already spent nearly two years in space. Great for me to come back personally. It does feel like home. She's commander of the private Axiom space mission, acting as a chaperone to the three rookies, including two astronauts from Saudi Arabia and Tennessee businessman John Schaffner. Yeah, I've been dreaming or working toward this since I was eight in a young astronauts club. 
Schaffner paid his own way, but Axiom Space has not said how much. On the company's first private trip last year, each ticket was $55 million. And liftoff, Falcon 9. The group blasted off from Kennedy Space Center Sunday night aboard a SpaceX capsule, traveling about 15 hours before docking with the 275-mile-high orbiting lab. Soft capture confirmed. They'll stay for eight days and perform more than 20 experiments, including microgravity's effect on stem cell research. Naomi Ruckham, CBS News, New York. Jay's in for Squire tonight. It's only $55 million, Jay. I'm 55 million short, though, Colleen. <laughs> I'd love to go, but I'm 55 million short. Me too. Hey, the uh, Memorial Cup gets underway in Kamloops on Friday. Hometown Blazers have been hard at work since Seattle eliminated them from the Western Hockey League playoffs a few weeks ago. Um, we talked about the importance of energy. You know, the, when we talk about message, we, we, we want we want to be energized. We want to have as much energy as we possibly can. We believe that could be an advantage. It's full steam ahead for the Blazers, and we'll see if history will repeat itself for the host team just ahead in sports. And he beat childhood cancer and three strokes as a teen. Now he's hoping to inspire others with his story. here with sports now starting with a little bit of hockey a little junior hockey for mm -hmm. you you're a hockey fan uh evening everybody the Kamloops Blazers open up the Memorial Cup on Fridays the uh, host will take on Patrick Waugh's Quebec Ramparts Peterborough Pete's are the OHL champions they'll play uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds on Saturday Blazers are looking to weave some home ice magic after getting knocked out by the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL playoffs Schaefer after it dumps it down the ice and into the empty net and the Blazers will fall in six. It's been two full weeks since the Kamloops Blazers shook hands after being eliminated by Seattle in the WHL's Western Conference Championship. But there's no moping around in Blazers land. Instead, it's all about making good on second chances, which seldom is the case come playoff time. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, Boston. I mean, they have to learn from this. They didn't have the same energy level in the playoffs as they did in the regular season. They have to, they have to find that again. They have to wait a whole season. They have to wait a whole summer and a whole season to get back. Um, you know, the, the Oilers had recently lost out. The Leafs had lost out. Um, those guys got to wait an entire year to, to, to have a chance to, to get back at it. And, and, and we've got a chance right now. The reset button has officially been pressed. Following the loss to Seattle, Kamloops took the weekend off, but have been on the ice practicing daily. Call it a Memorial Cup minicamp where every skater and member of the Blazers organization is fully engaged. We wanted to go all the way. You never want to be a Memorial Cup host and lose out in the first couple of rounds. But, uh, yeah, we ran into a good Seattle team. So uh, I think just going back, watching videos, seeing, the, seeing you know, things that we did good and then watching the things that we did bad and, and kind of making those corrections. We've got a great chance here to kind of, you know, finish off on a strong note. Not a lot of teams get a second opportunity, so... Um, we're pretty fortunate we got a chance to, to still win something here and um, we're going to learn as much as we can from the last series. Kamloops last hosted the Memorial Cup in 1995 and this happened. Blazers winning their third Memorial Cup in four years. It was also the last time they hoisted the cup. Fans are unbelievable here and 
you know, to do it in front of them would be pretty special. I think, you know, the whiteout and, you know, the, just the energy in the building would be pretty spectacular. So we're really looking forward to that. It's definitely an advantage and it's going to be good. I think there's, that just gives you motivation. Um, kind of fires you up that, uh, hey, it's my turn now. I can have an opportunity to win this and just kind of go out there and leave it all out there. We wish the Blazers the best of luck. World Hockey Championships, Joel Hoffer getting the start for Canada today. They were taking on Norway, and they took the Norwegians very late. Canada was trailing 2-1 with 11 seconds to go, and Lawson Kraus scored to tie. Canada was down 2-0 heading into the second period. They went to overtime. That settled nothing. The Norwegians scored four shootout goals. Yeah, they were stunned that Canada came back. But it was the Canadians who were stunned in the end. For just the second time in Norway's history, they defeat Canada at the international level. This is a huge win. Canada is now third in their pool. They'll conclude preliminary round play tomorrow morning when they take on Chechia. Speaking of NHL playoffs, Florida Panthers having a 1-0 lead against the Carolina Hurricanes. Panthers could go up 3-0 in that series. He's staying in Kamloops week two of the BC Lions training camp is underway. Lions head Campbell's a big believer in hitting the ground running, no easing into camp for the Leos. That said, Campbell's a fan of how camp has evolved over the years. There's still two-a-days, but not the traditional two hard practices that last all morning and all afternoon. True two-a-day, which we would call, was you, have, you practiced in the morning and then took a long break and then practiced in the afternoon, so you really did two separate practices. Um, we combine it now into what we call a back-to-back, -back, where we just take a quick 15-minute break. And it saves a lot of time. The players like it. They don't have to shower twice. They don't have to tape twice, all that stuff. And now it gives them time to rest the, the rest of the day. So it's, uh, it's, it's time efficient, and I think it's good on the players' bodies. It's just a different feeling knowing that you can get in, get out. You're more efficient in what you do. Um, it's not dragging to that extent. And also, you alleviate the whole thing of injuries. You know, some of these soft tissue injuries, running guys into the ground, those aspects have changed. Um, I remember back in the day, we had a whole bunch of hamstrings and things like that within the first couple of days. It's been a lot more minimized uh, based off of now. So that's the benefits you want to see as a team. We save a lot of time. We, we have to meet with these guys. These guys have to get treatment. They're still taking care of their bodies, lifting, doing all kinds of stuff during the day. So it, uh, it's much more time efficient. We still get a lot of work in. Um, so it's a good way to do it. LeBron James has a good first half going. The L.A. Lakers trying to avoid being swept by the Denver Nuggets. Lead by 10 late in the second quarter. Denver Nuggets have never played in the NBA Finals. We'll see if the Lakers can stay alive. Go Lakers. Hmm. There, I said it. Jamal Murray plays for the Denver Nuggets. He's Canadian. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, it's L.A. Uh, thanks so much, Jay. Listen, we meet a longboarder who hopes to inspire us all with his incredible story of survival. That story is next. All your local news... All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Okay, Jordan Armstrong joins us now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Colleen, the warnings keep coming, but so do the rescues. As we showed you at the top of the news hour, there was another call out on the North Shore late this afternoon. A man had to be pulled to safety by firefighters to avoid going over a waterfall in Lynn Canyon. It has been a busy weekend for rescuers and we'll have an updated report at 11. Plus, more evacuation orders have just been lifted in the Peace region. The rain obviously helping the fires there and we'll have details tonight. Colleen. Some good news there. Thanks so much, Jordan. 
Well, he beat some incredible odds. When Brandon Harrison was a kid, he survived cancer. Then, while on a charity-driven longboarding journey across the country, he suffered his third stroke. Well, now, as Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports, the Calgary man is hoping to inspire others with his story. The story of Brandon Harrison's life has been about dodging death on a longboard and in a hospital. When he was just two years old, Brandon was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. After surgery, he was deemed cancer-free. But when he was 15, he suffered a stroke. He lost his vision for months. A second stroke two years later resulted in losing control of his life. I honestly didn't think I was going to live to see 20. And when I got into that negative mind state, that's when I really started to drive my life into the ground. Brandon was determined to achieve something before he died, so he decided to longboard across Canada in support of heart and stroke research. The experience changed his life, but part of that was winding up in a coma on his 20th birthday. He suffered another stroke when he reached Alberta. And I just collapsed to the ground. I woke up half paralyzed. I spent 104 days in the hospital. And then I spent another two, three years learning how to walk. Three years later, Brandon picked up where he left off, but longboarding was much harder on his body. It was incredibly difficult and like, I could only really do as much as my body would allow me because, you know, I hit a certain point of fatigue and then my body starts going into spasms. Brandon finally finished the last leg of his journey when he reached the West Coast in the summer of 2016. He's traded in the longboard for a laptop and has just published a book about his extraordinary life. Here I am out of a wheelchair, no longer in braces or a cane and a self-published author. Anything is really possible if you set your mind to it. He endured road rash and miserable weeks of slogging through rain, but Brandon says it was the support of Canadians he met along the way that continue to inspire him. If it weren't for the people in this country and everything that happened across the country, I, I can honestly say I wouldn't be who I am today. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. That offers up some incredible perspective and what determination, hey? Unreal. Just love it. Uh, one last look at the forecast before we go. We've got a mainly cloudy sky. A few showers will be in the mix for our Tuesday. Back to work in school for many. And then we'll rebound Wednesday onwards. And then it warms up once again Thursday, Friday. Pleasant in comparison to what we're tracking last week. We'll be into the low 20s with dry conditions and overnight lows. Anywhere between 10 and 13. Bit of a breeze though. Keep in mind for tomorrow areas that are closer to the water. Up to 30 kilometers per hour. This evening most areas we're looking at a partly cloudy sky. We will take it. Thanks so much, Yvonne. And thank you for joining us and happy Victoria Day. Take care.